You're listening to Opera Box Score. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Wherever you are, however you're listening, it's America's talk radio show about opera. It's Opera Box Score. I'm George Cedarquist, joined this week by Oliver Camacho. Matt Cummings, Weston Williams, and Ashley Hardgrave. All right, this episode, we go inside the huddle with Carrie Ann Otano, VP of Engagement at Opera Delaware, about getting shushed in her own opera house. And then in Shock Talk, it's the most underwhelming event in sports, the NFL <laughs> Pro Bowl. Let's see if the uh, OBS crew can liven things up a bit. Plus, two-minute drill. The Hessisches Staatsoper in Wiesbaden is in the news. More like Wiesbaden. And am I right? <laughs> sure, you subscribe to the podcast, Stitcher and Spotify. You click follow Apple Podcasts, hit the plus sign. Send us that voice memo. Email us your hot takes. OperaBoxScore at gmail.com. Listener mailbag getting quite a few hits recently. You're going to get an OBS beer coaster and an OBS lapel pin just for sharing your own hot take. Got a full house on the show this week, which wow. is awesome. Oliver Camacho. Uh, hi. Um, hey. The, yeah, the, the, <laughs> you make it sound like Hello. the listener mailbag is like a target and people are shooting at it or something. I'm just surprised by the, okay. the pickup. Of re- well, this, we have uh, all this. It's because of uh, PJ. And then who was last week? Woody. Uh, Woody. Yeah, Woody. they're like, they're. And, and I got another one today. From oh, really? West, from West Virginia. Yeah. Are you reading it today? No, we're going to, we're going to save it. Okay, cool. Sorry, West Virginia. <laughs> For so many reasons. You'll have to tune in next week. <laughs> uh, Matt Cummings. Hey, 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 I'm back. I've fully circumnavigated the globe since I last wow. saw you all. You <laughs> did it. I did, I did, I did. I flew Chicago to Frankfurt, to Bangalore, to Delhi, to Tokyo, back to Chicago. And, a and then you had and a like food poisoning drink. when you got home, right? No. Well, and then it turned out to be like an actual illness that knocked okay. me out for like a week okay. and a half. And you <laughs> sound surprised, yeah. Weston Williams. Uh, I mean, I, I just want to point out we don't have the video component anymore, but uh, now after circumnavigating the globe a la around the world in 80 days, Matt's hair and beard combo <laughs> is truly like 19th century explorer Majestic. levels of, of hair. It's great. It's like, I love it's it. It's giving Bridgerton, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Phineas Fogg over here. Ashley Hardgrave. <laughs> hey, friends. Well, the Super Bowl is already history making. It's giving history because when in a couple of weeks the four, sorry, the Chiefs and the Eagles meet up, it's going to be the first time in history that both teams have starting black is quarterbacks. Really? This is a wow. big really? Hmm. GD deal. Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts are going to be at quarterback awesome. for both of the teams in the Super Bowl. This Patrick is Mahomes funny. is it's black? Honey, yes. Where you yes, been? <laughs> Mahomes and Jalen are going to be starting. It's already a very exciting start to the Super Bowl hype, which is going to now last for two weeks. What about Joe Burrow? What happened to him? First of all, Joe Burrow and I are very much in love. And he, uh, it, he last night was really hard for both of us. Um, I can't tell yeah. you how, how much I felt I needed to comfort him after his heartbreaking loss oh. to the Chiefs. And uh, I, I don't want to say the game was rigged and that the refs were paid. But uh, when my man has that many sacks, 
I'm a little sex. You're gonna have to take it up with enemy of the show, Tobias Rice. <laughs> yeah, oh my goodness. Well, yes. now now that uh, my fiance and love of my life and father of my non-existent children, Joe Burrow, and I are very much in a committed relationship, uh, <laughs> Tobias and I will have stuff to discuss. So yesterday, we record on Monday, folks. Uh, yesterday, Novak Djokovic claimed his 22nd Jeez. Grand Slam Woo! title, uh, tying for most uh, in the open era wow. male with uh, Rafael Nadal, only surpassed by Serena Williams with 23. Yes. Uh, as expected, Novak Djokovic just raced to the finish, yeah. destroying yeah. everybody in his path. Yeah. Uh, and... I have to say, yesterday I was watching. I got up really early to watch. I mean, it started at 2.30 local. I set my clock for 6 so that I could skip through commercials and make it to church on time. <laughs> uh, when he won, he broke down and he started crying. I've never seen him cry before because he's Good. a robot. More men he's, should cry in sports. Good. He's a robot, as we know. But right, he right. he really like had this thing to say to the audience after he had his little uh, moment about how this is this one means the most to him because of what happened last year, you know, basically shaming the Australian right, Open Tournament. You know. yeah. Because of what happened to him with exactly. no well, actions on his part last year. Right. He has no ownership whatsoever <laughs> Just in as that. A reminder, Good he job, kicked, Jokey. He was kicked. He was ex- deported from Australia last year because he's not COVID vaccinated. He wasn't allowed to play at the U.S. Open right. for the same yeah. reason. The points from Wimbledon did not... Uh, count for anything because Wimbledon did not allow Russian players, so they was taken out of the drawing, from, out of the point tabulation for mm-hmm. the ATP year. And if you remember, the year before was the year that he accidentally hit uh, a um, lines person by uh, hitting a ball behind him, and it went in oh the lines God, person's throat. Forgot. So he's had a, oh, he's nice. had a pretty dramatic couple of years. So um, yeah, and only I mean, some I, of it he did to himself. I feel, I mean, I, I, like I said, like I used to be a fan of his when he was first, when he was a new player, but then like he became the robot and I just like lost interest. And I suddenly feel like, oh, maybe he is human after all. He's not an AI of a tennis player. It's all wow. a marketing ploy. Chat GPT <laughs> is crashing. My story was that Chicago might be getting a Division One football team at, at Chicago Woo-hoo! State. Uh, NFL mm-hmm. alum Howard Griffith even supporting that. So, you know, gone to the days of... Um, Alonzo Stagg at University of Chicago. Of course, Northwestern is in Evanston. It's D1, but that doesn't technically count. So, wow, raising the standards here in um, Chicago college football. D1, baby. See if that happens. Let's talk some opera. Huddle up. Let's go inside the huddle. After performing at many of the opera houses on her professional bucket list, Carrie-Anne Otaño transitioned into administration, beginning with a role in the admin team of Opera Neo, then as marketing manager at Opera Memphis, and now as VP of engagement for Opera Delaware. She approaches the art form with energy, excitement, hype, and fun that we hope to see out of all of our administrators. Carrie-Anne's joining us right now from Wilmington, Delaware. Hi, Carrie-Anne. How are you? Hi, I'm so good. You have such a great voice for this. Hmm, thank you. Oh, you're talking to <laughs> thank Ashley. Thank you. <laughs> I've also you been do. told you I have do. a face for radio. So yeah. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, Carrie Ann, let's talk about this. I, I found you through your social media presence. First, you're like, we, we follow enough of the right opera people on the gram that we, I, I ran into you and I was like, oh, she's fun. Oh, she knows what she's talking about. Oh, she works for opera. This is so exciting. So when you look in your socials, when we're looking on YouTube, Facebook, whatever, uh, you radiate this people personness and you have this like legitimate energy and love for opera. So if you need to convince somebody 
to get into opera, this art form is, is worth just being a part of and being a fan of, what do you tell them? Mm. Yeah, it, I think that the most important thing about opera and the arts in general is that human connection. I think the reason that people hesitate to buy into opera is because we tell them, hey, come see this opera because we're doing La Traviata. Come see this opera because it's Verdi. Come see this opera because I think that's the wrong approach. I think the correct approach is to say, come see this opera because it's someone that you know right? Like mm. I want, I want you to meet these singers. I want you to hear their perspective. Come see this opera because it's, a, it's an experience you're never going to forget. With our upcoming production of La Traviata, we are doing a, a poker tournament where the first place winner gets a thousand dollars and it's a mixer for, uh, for young professionals and for our board, right? So it's an experience that you're never going to forget. It's an experience that you only are going to get with this company this one night, right? Or come and see this because it's something that you already understand. So our approach for this La Traviata is to say, um, hey, if you like uh, Moulin Rouge, if you like Pretty Woman, um, it is the same story as those through the lens of like Bridgerton, through the lens of Mount <laughs> Abbey, right? It's a period piece, but you understand the story. You understand what it's like to be uh, Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman and to be swept up in this romance and to maybe have to walk away from it you are going to understand and empathize with these characters. And that's what people want. They want to be welcomed into this. They want to, um, they want to understand that they're going to understand that they're not going to feel stupid in the space, that they're not right. going to be shushed, that they're not going to be made to feel like they don't belong, that they're going to be looked up and down, like they're wearing the wrong thing. That, that is the power that we have to welcome people to opera. And I take that responsibility very seriously. So when you say VP of engagement, you really are talking about bringing audiences into the theater, trying to find new audiences. Audiences, yes, but but artists first. My first passion was for artists and will always be for artists. My first loyalty will always be to artists. Um, I sang professionally for 10 years and part of the transition was taking responsibility for the people that I care the most about, um, who are my fellow singers. Um, so part of it is, yes, I want people to experience opera in a new way. I want people to experience opera in a way that makes them feel included uh, and makes us have invaluable conversations, right, and grow as a community. But I also want us to experience opera that is meaningful for the artists who are making the opera and it's not plug and play. Um, I want artists, opera singers, um, to be a major force in the collaboration and deciding the programming that we're doing, deciding the stories that we're telling so that you can be ambassadors out in the community to relate to people. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of all of that. It's kind of, if I can be honest with you, my whole personality is opera and like <laughs> opera and talking about opera because I love it. And I love singers. So tell us about Opera Delaware. What is the brand of Opera Delaware? And clearly you're the face of the brand. So if I were to just say, I, without even knowing anything about Opera Delaware, I would say it's young, it's vaguely ethnic. <laughs> you are, you are. <laughs> Ambiguous. <Absolutely> yes, ambiguous. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> So I've never been to Delaware. I, I mean, t tell us like what maybe the company is known for and where you'd like to see it go, what direction you'd like to see it going. Yeah, absolutely. So Opera Delaware is the, Delaware is the first state, fun fact. Fun fact. Yeah. <laughs> and Opera Delaware is the 11th oldest opera country, opera company in the country. 
Okay, hmm. so I'm obsessed with this because when Opera Delaware was founded in 1945, it was founded by a bunch of local nerdos who were like, I want to sing Tosca, right? <laughs> it was just a bunch of local people living in this community who were like, I want to make art with my friends. And they had some coin and they had a space, right? And they were like, opera matters to me. That's so dope. What a dope reason to start an opera company, period. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Opera for All was like the idea of Opera Delaware when it started. And by that, they meant anyone can make opera. Anyone can be a part of that process. Mwah. I love it. Someone <laughs> should chef's turn kiss. it into yeah, This is an audio format, movie. so you have to go, chef's kiss. <laughs> chef's kiss. You know what I mean? Like, it's so sweet. Now, um, as the company has evolved over time, we bring in talent from around the world, right? We we cultivate talent. We work with people who live in this area, who live in Philly, who live in D.C., right? So that they can be part of our community. But we also bring in talent from, from all over the place. So when we say opera for all now, what we're talking about is who we're serving with the opera, right? It used to be opera for all is like, we can all make it. And that was a, that was a very cute start mm. for us. Um, that was but, cute. Now, it was cute. <laughs> but now it's, who are we going to serve? We're going to serve everyone with these stories. Um, and so part of that opera for all uh, initiative, part of that opera for all message that we have, we just announced today um, a new initiative. We partnered with, uh, we got sponsorship from m and Bank and uh, Opera for All is a new initiative where any of the local nonprofits, any of the local nonprofits here in Delaware can uh, get a specialty page on our website where they can access tickets for $10 off for 50% off or for absolutely free for anyone who serves in their organization. Oh, wow. And I tell you why. Because I don't support giving away free opera tickets because I think it undervalues and it makes it seem like opera doesn't, doesn't have a value. Mm-hmm right? We are giving, we are using complimentary tickets because when you claim these complimentary tickets, I send you personally from me, your friend, Carrie Ann, friendly (laughs) vice president of engagement. I send you an email saying, Hey, here's this survey. I would love to know your previous experience with opera. I would love to know what your expectations are based on what you've seen in the media. What do you think is going to be, what do you think your night is going to be? What are you expecting? Right? Where are you starting from? So that when you come to the opera, I know already how to cultivate that experience for you. Mm. I, you then, know, no, I want to hear the rest of that, but just surveys to me are intrusive. And I'm trying to figure out what is your Carrie Ann Otonio beautiful oh, survey technique. So charming. Listen, you're going to have to see it because I, I honestly think that everybody just wants to be heard. Mm-hmm. I honestly think that. I, I think Case that- in point, this show. Right. <laughs> everybody wants everybody wants to have a voice. And that is true for our audiences, whether there are existing audiences or new audiences. And so giving people the opportunity, if you speak to them from sincerity and not, you know, on a sliding scale and this is going, it needs that personal touch. Right. When we follow up with the the interview after the show, that's an in-person, we're going to sit down and me and you are going to talk, right? Mm. So that we can figure out why it is that 80 to 90% of first time opera goers don't come back. Do you know that statistic? 80 to 90% do not come back of people who go to symphony, opera, ballet. Like 
that is a staggering statistic. And I think it's our fault. I think it's because we don't make them feel like they belong in the space. We don't make them feel like they're smart enough to be with us. We don't make them feel, um, you know, we did an opera in the fall and a, a woman was giving me dirty looks for, for laughing in the audience. Mm. Me. (laughs) Do you know who I am? (laughs) Who works here? Who works here? Right. Would you, Um, did you have like some identifier that you worked there? Yeah. Oh yeah. So I had like a big button on that says, ask me about the opera. (laughs) I I share this story very openly because this, this was really, really important for me. Um, this, this woman was a few rows in front of me. She kept turning and looking at me in the audience as I was laughing in this comedic opera that we were doing, turning and looking and glaring at me. And at one point she fully turned around and looks at me and I turn and I'm just looking her back right in the eyes. And I said, I said, Carrie Ann. And I said, my mom started talking in my head. She said, Carrie Ann, I raised you better than this. You're not gonna be, you're certainly not gonna be rude to a little old lady. But you are going to talk to her, right? You are going to talk to her because I'm not, because I believe that part of the reason that we don't get new audiences is because when there are people who come to this space, we look at them like they're wrong for reacting the way that they organically react Mm -hmm. for laughing or clapping. Like they don't know the etiquette, so they shouldn't belong there. And then we give them dirty looks and we have to get away from that. Mm. Right? So this story has a happy ending and okay. my, my, my job would be very happy that I'm sharing the story with you because I went up to this woman and I said, hi, I'm Carrie Ann Otanio. I'm the vice president of engagement. I noticed that my enthusiasm is distracting you a little bit. And she said, it is, it is distracting. And I said, I absolutely understand. And I would love to offer you better seats closer to the stage. So it won't be a distraction, but I also want you to know why we react the way that we do. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay, because everybody just wants to be heard. Yeah. Okay. So I said to her, Opera Delaware is an artist-led company. This is how we show our respect and our gratitude for these artists, for the work that they're doing. Um, It's a comedy. They want us to laugh. They want us to write. They want us to participate. We're part of the storytelling. And this is how we show them our respect. And she said, I thought that you show respect in the opera by being silent. I said, that's a common misconception, baby girl. (laughs) <laughs> you say baby girl to her yes everyone is my friend there are yeah. no enemies okay there right. are no everybody's just using the information that they have our right. audience is not wrong for being protective of the space they think that they are being protective for us they yeah. think when they say these things um w- that they're being protective of this art for us we'd have to re-educate all of us they're not bad people. They're great people. She was doing it because she loves y'all because she wanted you to feel respected as artists. She thought I was being disrespectful. That is so, it blew my mind. I said, what if we just have conversations and assume that everybody is doing the best with the information that they have? Yeah. I'm glad that the story ended that way. I was actually, I was thinking of a different ending and um, that was, a much nicer one. <laughs> <laughs> Only good stuff. Only yeah. good stuff. I mean, I just, we're, we're so quick to assume that someone is the villain in the story. Right. Yeah. Administrators don't, we're so quick to assume 
that boards understand what a singer's life is like, or that administrators understand what your experience is. If we can't talk to each other candidly, if we can't talk to each other, we can never grow. Hmm. We can never get any better than this. And we're going to keep shouting into our own echo chamber about like, why don't, why don't they, why doesn't it get better? You know? Yeah. But if we can talk to these people, if we can talk, if the boards and the artists and the administrators can talk and the new audiences can hear from artists, like imagine how much more connected we would all feel and how much more meaningfully we could make art that would actually matter to people. Yeah. I, this is an audio medium, but you can't see me, listeners. I am waving my <laughs> arms Muppet style out of excitement uh, for this. So we have a crack research team here at Opera Box where we have hundreds of interns that are just guys <laughs> their bylines on the show. And we have sent them out. They've picked up a little thing that you said. You mentioned uh, in one of your interviews, the current state of opera being this, being in a renaissance of resilience. I want to hear more about that from you. What is it that we're getting right? What do you think and hope that we continue to do better? Mm -hmm. So this actually, this phrase came from my boss, uh, from Brendan Cook, who reminded me that after the plague, historically, after a plague is a renaissance, right? Mm -hmm. An artistic Mm -hmm. renaissance. Um, And in part, it's because of the... uh, just the gratitude for being alive, uh, if we want to get into our feelings about mm-hmm, it, but, mm-hmm. but also it's a need to connect with people, right? And so I think that coming out of the pandemic, we can see more clearly why what we do matters. I yeah. certainly was, uh, when I was singing, it was to get to the next gig, Right. I mean, I feel like I made art that I loved, but I wasn't embedded in my community. I wasn't connected to my community. Yeah. Uh, I was bouncing from city to city. And that is what led to me dipping from opera because I had like a serious mental, not, let's just call it not a good time. I had not a great time with it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do. Um, Oh my God, I totally just lost my train of thought. Bring me back. We're talking about the renaissance of resilience. So at at the the end of a play- I just, listen, I just got like caught up. I was like, oh, am I going to, am I about to talk about my mental breakdown? No, not today. It'll be another (laughs) show. We'll bring you back. We'll we'll do it another episode. It'll be great. So the the renaissance of resilience comes from, I think, a gratitude for being alive, a gratitude to be able to connect with people. Um, And I think we're all just hungry for authentic connection. Um, and I think that there's just a curiosity. I've met a lot of teenagers who are coming to the opera for the first time. Um, I've met a lot of millennials and Gen Z, mm. like people who just, it was never on their radar. And they're like, I just want to like feel, mm. I just want to like come somewhere and like feel something and experience something. And I just think like, that's the Renaissance that we've been waiting for. And we just need to capitalize on the incredible ideas that our artists have and work together. Um, because the people are hungry for it. Yeah. I, I think that there's something really inspiring to hear all this. You know, this is stuff, you know, I, I feel like all of us to some degree are 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 invested in, you know, um, espe- especially me coming from, uh, I'm originally from Alabama and uh, the opera scene in Alabama is is not the same as it is in Chicago. And I always felt like I had to be the, uh, 
uh, the ambassador for what felt like sort of a, a dying flame in many ways. Um, but it really is inspiring to hear um, just the, the 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 possibility of of the of the of the human connection coming back when the right person sees it in the right context when they feel welcome. And uh, I, I just want to thank you for that. I also want to pivot a little bit. Um, so you uh, can be seen online. Obviously, you're on Instagram. I believe you're on TikTok as well. But you also do videos for the uh, Inside the Opera Delaware Studio, uh, where you interview singers and uh, and and uh, that sort of thing, a sort of a hot one style. Opera if you will. Let's call them opera creators. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and one of the things you ask in these interviews are 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 hype or gripes. Uh, well, what is that? And do you have one for us? I always do. So this <laughs> is, uh, I call it my hype list or my gripe list, because sometimes mm. you just want to like really celebrate all the good in life. And sometimes like we do need to shine a spotlight mm -hmm. on things that are not so hot. Right. Sounds familiar. Huh, guys? <laughs> are you all about that's, that that's, No, we, we have we have we, we have our own segment called Good Call, Bad Call at the end of our show. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I love. Um, so yeah, so I, I call myself the opera hype girl because I, I just love talking about all the things that I love. Um, but then I also want to shine a spotlight if people want to gripe. So I would say for me, I'm probably going to have to hype. Um, I'm going to have to hype about the fact that conversations like this are happening in a public space, um, that artists and administrators are not just talking behind closed doors or in, you know, hushed conversations. Because I think for too long, it's been an us and them. And I think uh, I talk to a lot of administrators who, like me, are so excited and love singers and really want like amazing things to happen. I talk to so many directors who like want to empower creativity. I So many composers, you know. Like the whole infrastructure is there for us to empower and create together, but we're just kind of siloed and we need to be having more conversations where we talk openly. Is there a gripe to go along with the hype? Oh, you know, there's always a gripe. <laughs> there's always a gripe. <laughs> uh, before we wrap it up and let you go, Carrie Ann, Delaware has no pro sports team. So where do you get, where do you get your sports fix? Where do you get that? That yes. sports connection. I'm a bit of a, I don't know if the term is leech. Like I just kind of latch <laughs> on to whatever, a barnacle. Let's, I'm a beautiful. Okay. Barnacle, that's better. That's okay? better. Or a zebra muscle. Barnacle. Thank you. Thank you. Um, like whatever team is doing well and is nearby, <laughs> if people are going to be out oh, at a no. bar, I, I don't oh, even God. drink, but if people are going to be out at a bar, like cheering, I want to be a part of that. So right now I live in Delaware and that means it's Philly. So like, let's go Eagles, caca. I don't know what the vibe is, birds. <laughs> Something about it's, birds. Uh, it's fly, Eagles fly. Uh, the last the time one. they were in the Super Bowl, my cheer for them uh, was sad Tom Brady because they were playing <laughs> the Patriots and I wanted mm. Tom Brady to lose. Uh, so circ so, yes. Go birds. Circling, circling back to your uh, Traviata uh immersive experience you have was it like a poker game that you're doing like before yes. the show? oh my gosh I honestly could talk about this okay. forever just, just tell um, me a little bit about it <laughs> but, but the, uh, the poker game is uh we're gonna have 42 players we're gonna have okay. six um we're gonna have six tables yeah. we're gonna play for an hour and a half and then the winners are gonna go to a smaller right final round um 
thousand dollars for the winner, five hundred dollars okay. second place. Can I can I give you this one? Like this is gonna really put it over the top. Oh my god, I'm oh. ready. Let the winner go on stage during the gambling scene and, and shove money at Violetta, you know? Like <gasps> That's actually a great idea, Oliver. That's you genius. whore, take your money back. Thank you. I love this so much because I've been, I just keep talking about this idea and it keeps evolving yeah. to be honest with you. So I'm totally going to take your advice on yeah. this. I was just with friends the other night talking about how we should make it, um, uh, you know, a young professionals event that people can yeah. spend like 20 bucks and come watch yeah. a, a bunch of people yeah. play poker and like have this fun. Perfect. Event yeah. So I just, again, I feel like by, just by talking to people, <laughs> ideas get well, I was sort of kidding because it's, hor- yeah. it's a horrible moment in the opera. <laughs> I would love I, it personally. I think it'd be great if you have like somebody who's like an incel, like it's really angry at women, you know? <laughs> <laughs> if it goes horribly wrong, which it undoubtedly will, you can just blame Oliver and, and I will. Scott Free. Yeah. And I will yeah. unapologetically. Yeah, I will. I, I I love that uh, your idea of making opera better has to do with talking. And part of that is talking to us. And we are so, so grateful that you took some time out to talk to us. Carrie Ann Otanyu, thank you so much for joining us here on Opera Box Score. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. <laughs> to be overdramatic and I don't want to oversell or take a victory lap but I told y'all she was awesome <laughs> she was she was she should you, you definitely it. be a regular on this show if she has time yeah, she was it, great. It, it feels like she's going to take over a large portion of the opera world and I mean that in the best nicest most wonderful way hmm. just so fantastic she's How coming for your spot Oliver take it (laughs) thanks again to Carrie Ann Atanio for hanging out with us hey everybody make sure you subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher and Spotify you click follow it's that easy Apple Podcasts you just hit the plus sign Chalk Talk that's now Chalk Talk on Opera Box Score the Pro Bowl is perhaps the most mediocre event in pro sports like literally (laughs) nobody likes the pro bowl fans don't like it because it's boring the league says they want to get rid of it the players hate it because they want they think they're going to get injured and so i've been trying to figure out like should i even bother to watch the pro bowl it's essentially as you might know the all-star game of the nfl season which unlike all the other all-star games does not happen in the middle of the season but at the end this year things are different first of all (laughs) peyton manning (laughs) is coaching one side against his brother eli manning i I forget who's coaching one side is the afc and the other side is the nfc one's Uh in red one's in blue this year it's going to be a flag football game Oh my god. Ashley can't even speak. Ashley's this just has big Rob Lowe wearing an NFL cap vibes. <laughs> it really, it really Move does. over, college intramurals. Here comes the Pro Bowl. So, uh, first of all, I'm going to actually watch this year. But more importantly, it got me thinking about who would I want from Opera Land to play in a flag football game? <laughs> oh, oh, I've got it. I'm already okay, ready. Go I'm ahead. ready. 
Oh, do you want me to begin or should I, we go down the list? No, no, no. I want you to begin. Yeah, okay. you like disastic We'll, we'll go backwards. Yeah, yeah. We'll start with you and then we'll go to Weston. Okay. Very fair, very fair. Well, if we are thinking about performances of 2022, who is awesome slash who do we want to see in a flag football game? For both of those answers, mine is Will Liverman. <laughs> he had an amazing 2022 oh, yeah. and I bet he's real fast. He, he, is he more like the receiver type or the rusher type, do you think? I mean, I definitely see him as a running back. Yeah. I, I feel like right. he's 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 able to multi you I mean your running backs need to multitask. You need to be yes. running straight, but you need you need to have your eyes on the prize yeah, of the goal line, yeah. but you need to be able to yeah. turn around. I'm getting redneck, Shaking I'm in my football baby. voice. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, so you need to be able to run forward and then every so often look back and be ready to connect with a, you know, wheezing hurling thing coming at your head. And I think he has the ability to do both. I Weston. think this would be it. Wait, wait, before we go to Weston, I think this would be the perfect opportunity to just uh, shout out uh, that Will Liverman's opera, which opens uh, the day after you hear this podcast, if you're downloading it on the day we release, uh, West, uh, Will Liverman's opera, The Factotum, uh, yes. loosely based on the Barber Seville and Barbershop, <laughs> um, is opening <laughs> Uh, at uh, Lyric Opera Chicago. So mm-hmm. um, it's, uh, who knows what it's going to sound like. I have not been to rehearsal. It's supposed to be uh, like- Apparently a, they played a lot of flag football in rehearsal in the parking lot. <laughs> lot of, uh, so anyway, um, you should read the article from the New York Times. I think Zach Wolf probably wrote it. I'm not sure who wrote it. Um, but um, for him to get that type of coverage and for Chicago to be you know, spotlighted as a city that is like doing something- you know, that's good for the future of opera. We never do. So we t- <laughs> thank you, Will, for giving us a point there. And it's rare enough when the New York Times remembers that Chicago exists and to do <laughs> yes, it for opera. True. True. Flyover <laughs> so zone true. here. All right, Weston, who's on your flag football roster? Uh, well, uh, I, I think what we have a little bit of a connection here, a connecting line, if you will. I think we need a composer on the team. I think, and that should be, if we're going to, again, base this on their recent uh goings on in terms of uh, a rising star uh, nature terrence blanchard is going to be the talk of the Mm. town he's already uh taking over all of lincoln center uh this year with the with the with what what are we we calling it blanchard palooza no uh blanchella that's right (laughs) i mean he uh, he is just he's got a, a million things going on he knows what the next play is he's thought everything out in advance he's working on everything he can coordinate people uh i think that's what the quarterback does so i think he should be the quarterback that's my pitch I was going to say offensive coordinator, but I could see him going in a quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah, he, yeah. yeah he, more quarterback. It's sort of like Blanchard to Liverman. <laughs> oh, man. And he is out of there. Matt Cummings, who's it going to be on your Probo Opera roster? So I got to go with one of the most powerhouse performances that I've seen uh, in the last year because every pro bowl team needs a powerhouse obviously and yes, that has to be yeah. rachel willisaurison yeah baby uh, based on her don- exquisite elizabeth and don carlo yeah. uh and probably for a flag football game we're going to be fine to stick her in the offensive line because oh. she can take you down mm-hmm. with her voice alone yeah <laughs> and but she, has I a, bet- she has a new recording of the Strauss four last songs that just dropped so Perfect. But because she is so versatile, I think she moonlights on special teams. She could go in a kicker if necessary. Yeah, oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. Wow. Maybe a fake punt here and there. <laughs> that would be awesome. Oliver Camacho, pick somebody for your Opera Land Probo flag football roster. So when I went to hear 
the Barber Seville at the Met in 2000 and I'm going to say seven. Um, I remember in the drunken sailor scene of the end of the first act that uh, Juan Diego Flores used to uh, jump up, do a high jump onto a table on the stage. And apparently he did that a lot in the early part of his career. I interviewed him on my show for my other job. And he told a story about this jump that he used to do because as a youth, he was an athlete. He was a high jumper. So oh, I'm not really? sure. I, yeah, I'm not sure if I know the rules of of uh, flag football, but uh, if we need somebody or high to... jumping, <laughs> <laughs> if we need somebody for jumping, well, uh, maybe here, here, here's my pitch. Um, he we can position him next to the goalpost, and he could be the ball jumping into the goal. <laughs> okay, and then sure. we're good to go. Yeah, uh, but we want to keep him. Really, also knows the rules of flag football. <laughs> I know the rules Clearly. of football. We just want to keep him safe, though, because uh, he has to sing a recital tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, let's canceled. hope he doesn't get injured. I was going to say he could also he could go in at wide receiver because wide receivers need to be able to jump out in front of everybody and get okay. away so that they're ready to mm-hmm. ready to catch. So I could see okay. him being a wide receiver. Okay. Just don't yeah. put him in as as tight end because he would get oh. demolished. No, nope. nope. Those cords aren't gonna last. Like, I almost feel like he's on injured reserve before anything else happens. <laughs> yeah, My you can't cadenza the, your way out of that. It's very true. My pick <laughs> for the for the Opera Land Pro Bowl roster would be director Mary Zimmerman. Oh, nice. Who, she she was my mentor when I was in graduate school. Really going through the Dream. looking glass. I like her Dream. very much. Hey. Oh, nice. Matthew coming. Did Didn't like it. <laughs> Mary would be the first person to tell you that she knows probably next to nothing about sports. Which is she, what I want in my opera Pro Bowl team. But she's just so darn smart that she would like just watch for a few minutes and then she'd be the most the ultimate coach. And she would just the make head coach. all yeah. these adjustments which would involve like 40 foot pieces of blue silk. And then it would just, she would take over. And would everyone run the family photo play. <laughs> <laughs> Quick gossiper two six. Oh my goodness! We will see. We will see how this Pro Bowl turns out. I I don't think I could handle. Is this fantasy football? Did we just do a fantasy football? We did fancy football, not really fantasy. It's fantastical, that's for sure. Well, you can let us know who you want to see play in a flag football game. You just send us a voice memo or email us your hot takes. Operaboxscore@gmail.com. Get all that. OBS merch right now, you're going to get the two-minute drill. This just in, the two-minute drill. All right, listen up. Here's everything you need to know about what happened in opera land this week. A continuation of the defunding of opera in England story. A number of opera houses in the UK have released a joint statement calling for the Arts Council England to, quote, develop a strategy for opera provision based on industry consultation, audience insight, and data. No strategy for opera currently exists or is planned for the Arts Council England to make such fundamental and irreparable changes to opera provision in the country in the absence of such a strategy is reckless and threatens the UK's cultural standing in the world. And tit for tat, just like that, Arts Council England replied, we have a single 10-year strategy, let's create, which shapes all of our investment and development decisions. We will not, therefore, develop separate art form or sub-art form strategies. But as the National Development Agency for Creativity and Culture, for the past few months, we have been planning to commission an independent piece of analysis designed to focus on consideration of opera and music theater in relation to let's create. Uh, Great, that clarifies... 
nothing? <laughs> the Royal Opera House has severed ties with British Petroleum after 33 years of sponsorship from the oil giant. Quote, we are grateful to BP for their sponsorship, which has enabled thousands around the country to see free opera and ballet through our BP big screens. According to ROH, the separation was mutual. And unless we hear the same from BP, the separation was not mutual. Norway's <laughs> Queen Sonia singing competition has banned Russian and Belarusian singers from the 2023 competition, saying, quote, the competition board endorses Norway's condemnation of Russia's illegal and brutal attacks on Ukraine and stands in solidarity with Ukraine and its citizens. Applications from singers with Russian or Belarusian citizenship will therefore not be accepted. Ukrainians will not perform at this summer's International Wiesbaden Festival if Anna Netrebko performs. Ukrainian Consul General Vadim Kostyu said Ukrainians are not allowed to perform in the same place as Netrebko due to sanctions imposed on the soprano in Ukraine. Speaking of Wiesbaden, the Bulgarian-Israeli conductor Ilya Yosifov has resigned from his post at the Hessian State Theater due to anti-Semitic bullying saying he'd been subjected to, quote, systematic anti-Semitic belittling and months of harassment by managing director Holger von Berg. According to Josephoff, von Berg refused to remove a Wagner poster featuring a swastika. Musicians in the Minnesota Opera Orchestra authorized a strike on January 27th. The unanimous vote comes after the orchestra has been working without a contract for six months. Players say management has cut their work by more than 40%, has not guaranteed their future employment, and has not shared a strategic plan or detailed company vision with financial information about the organization. Said bassist John Smith, we are an asset to this community. We, without an orchestra, it isn't an opera. Mezzo-soprano Stephanie Blythe will be performing in San Diego Opera's upcoming production of Gianni Schicchi next month as Gianni Schicchi. Quote, I have tried to eschew the idea of voice category my entire career and have been grateful to sing a myriad of roles that roam the very edges of the definition of a mezzo-soprano, says Blythe. In singing Skiki as a man, I am not only exploring gender, but also using a part of my voice that has developed more and more as I grow in age and experience. The National Children's Chorus is teaming up with their newly appointed opera program director, friend of the show, Jonathan McCullough, to launch the organization's new Vail Opera Camp initiative and opera vocal studies program. The Vail Opera Camp is where the next generation of opera creators can go to hone their skills with guidance from industry international professionals. This season, the NCC is opening enrollment to grade school and high school students across the country and is actively looking to recruit young artists interested in opera for this summer. In trade news, Italian conductor Michele Spotti has been nominated as music director of Marseille's Opera House and Philharmonic Orchestra, succeeding current music director Lawrence Foster this fall. On the disabled list, the Teatro San Carlo has announced cast changes for its productions of Damnation of Faust and Anna Bolena. Friend of the show, Charles Casanova will be replaced by John Osborne, and Anita Rachvelishvili will be replaced by Daniela Barcelona. And in Anna Bolena, Annalisa Stroppa will replace Alina Garancha in the role of Giovanna Seymour. And we are on Juan Diego Flores' watch. The uh, Peruvian tenor has canceled his... Uh, Kennedy Center recital and his Carnegie Hall recital and is scheduled to sing tomorrow in Chicago, January 31st. We'll let you know how that turned out next week. The Teatro dell'Opera di Roma has announced a cast change for its new production of Aida. The role of Radames will now be sung by Gregory Kunde, replacing Fabio Sartori, who is out due to illness. 
Houston Grand Opera has also announced a cast change for its upcoming production of Salome. Laura Wilde will now sing the title role, replacing Amanda Majeski. Exit stage right. Vladimir Gorokov, deputy artistic director of Moscow's Helicon Opera, has died of a heart attack. He was 47. In 2021, Russian President Vladimir Putin gave him the honored worker of culture of the Russian Federation. Spanish baritone Enrique Serra has died at the age of 83. In 1966, he debuted at the Grand Teatro de l'ECU as Morales in Carmen and sang roles at the theater every season until 2007. And on this day, January 30th, in 1654, Cavalli's opera Ciro in Venice... Uh, no, that doesn't make any sense. In 1654, Cavalli's opera Ciro premiered in Venice. In Because it could be one of those operas, like Ciro in Babylonia or something like that. <laughs> right, but, right. Uh, yeah, in, Jeff in Phoenix, yeah. <laughs> my favorite Baroque opera. In the year 1700, Alessandro Scarlatti's opera L'Eracles premiered in Naples. 1773 saw the first performance of Giovanni Paisiello's Sismano nel Mongol, not in Mongolia, but in Milan. In 1796, Niccolo Antonio Zingarelli's opera Giulietta e Romeo premiered in Milan. In 1838, Donizetti's Maria di Rudenz premiered in Venice. In 1917, one for Weston Zemlinski's A Florentine Tragedy at the Hof Theater premiered in Stuttgart, not in uh, Hof. I don't, know, I, I don't know what I'm saying. Not in Florence. Uh, and in 19... Oh, we say happy birthday today, January 30th, to uh, baritone Gerald Finley, Canadian baritone, born in Montreal. And that's your two-minute drill. Batter my heart, three-person God, that I may rise and stand. that segment out with yet another one for Weston that was uh, the, the birthday boy himself Gerald Finley singing Batter My Heart uh, from John Adams's Dr. Atomic and that recording comes from the Dutch National Opera with Lawrence Rennes conducting. I didn't know he was Canadian until today. I was convinced he was just some Midwestern boy. He's that nice. When LeBron James was leading the Cleveland Cavaliers to their <laughs> championship he popularized this t-shirt which said Cleveland versus everyone. <laughs> and then everybody started taking over that show. It was like, yeah, Detroit versus everyone and like Charleston versus everyone. It was like this kind of like, you know, bad boys type of thing. I want the shirt which says Arts Council England versus everyone. <laughs> George, they have a plan. They have, they have a plan. plan. They don't plan. have a plan. Let's go. They have about as much of a plan as Brexit was a plan. <laughs> That's how you Brits do things, I guess. And we I don't all know. know how that turned out. You just keep yeah. saying you have a plan and telling everyone to stop <laughs> asking about it. It's worked don't for me worry. all my life. Uh, let's let's yeah. create. It, it it feels like they're working in a Montessori school. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just I don't get it. 
yeah, I mean, yeah. My niece that lives in like Long Beach, California, that is definitely the type of like play based school where she'd play in the mud for four hours and that's fourth grade. Yeah. My favorite part yeah. is the one where they're like, of course, we're not going to come up with a separate plan just for opera until we come up with the whole plan. And then we'll come up with a separate plan separate just thing. for opera after There's, we've already done it wrong for yeah. a year. There's the jugglers and the tap dancers. We got to make a plan for them too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, here's what it is though. That wording is very specifically saying, this ain't about you. You're not special. That's mm-hmm. what this is mm-hmm. saying. Yeah. They're, they're, Ashley can they're read Marcom fluently. special skill hair flip i I do think that we've been talking a lot about uh uh, and really applauding everyone over in uh across the pond who is still raising a stink and um the fact that uh arts council england did feel the need to reply instead of just ignoring it um feels almost utopian by u.s standards perhaps um but they are they they are not giving much quarter here so we'll see what happens and we'll see what happens too, uh, especially given that, you know, between Arts Council England's, England's funding cuts, now ROH has lost British Petroleum. Oh, no. <laughs> no. They told no, them no. to get lost. They realized that they couldn't be taking like blood oil money anymore. And yep. that it, it wasn't worth it. So I, I, I actually back that decision. Oh, right? I, I absolutely do, too. I want to be totally clear on this. I think most people do, yeah. The, the articles, uh, at least the article I read, is a little unclear as to whether that was the reason. But I think that's probably, the, even if it wasn't the reason, that's the reason that I would give if I was in the PR department at ROH. Uh, obviously, um, there's a big push right now all over the world for universities, arts organizations, um, everywhere to to divest from oil companies right. uh, mm-hmm. due to climate change, which is absolutely what they should be doing. Um, okay. So there's a bigger conversation that we can't have here, but maybe we should seed it for the future. Mm-hmm. That opera has always been tied to old money. Right. And mm-hmm. right now, as we're trying to, you know, diversify our donor pool, uh, wh- where do we go? You know, and like in yeah. New York, it's like the Koch brothers, you know, uh, yeah. In Chicago, it's Ken Griffin who mm-hmm. just left Chicago it's, to. Yeah. It's Barry Jeez. Side. Yeah. yeah. And now yeah. he's like taking all his paintings with him. You don't get any of this art anymore because <laughs> I'm leaving, you know? So we have to always, we've always had to like look the other way yeah. when we accept this money. And if we are going to try to get like whatever the Obama uh, strategy right. of getting $40 from everybody. We're going to need $40 from everybody. And as Carrie Ann said earlier, you know, people don't feel welcome. People don't feel like opera is for them. And right. that's the problem we got to fix. So it's a it's a big problem. And um, I'm, I'm willing to BP, take... BP, big problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're welcome, everybody. Oh, you do. Try the veal. I'm here all night. That's tip you do. What is... Wiesbaden, yikes. Okay. Oh. Just, just as a point of information, so... Displaying Get a swastika ready, everybody. in Germany is a federal offense. Yeah. So, like, that's... what that person is doing is illegal. It, which would also be, be like, you know, it, it wouldn't be just like, oh, it's just a piece of war memorabilia. Like, no. If, if this story is true, um, that, is, that person is knowingly putting a swastika up next to Wagner. I mean, the symbolism is very on the nose there. Um, the the story, according to the article, is that the poster is from a lecture series that was about Nazi antisemitism. But that does not necessarily 
explain why he uh, was hanging it in his office and wouldn't take it down when people told him it made them uncomfortable. Because yeah, it was like a all yeah, and, space, maybe. And, and the also- series was from like 2017. So like this is a five-year-old concert poster. Yeah. And also it has a swastika on it, which again, no bueno in in Weissbaden or anywhere around there. That, yeah, that and if your Israeli co-worker is like, yo, maybe maybe Take I don't want to see yeah. that. Now, it's on, not the, on the flip side, because I've I've worked at the uh, theater in Wiesbaden, drink, and drink. Um, it has a really good cafeteria. <laughs> well, that makes everything better, doesn't it? They have beer on tap in the cafeteria <laughs> at the Stadt actually. Theater that does make everything better. It really does. <laughs> yeah, except for a hostile work environment. That's true. Oh <laughs> Last call, everybody, before we wrap this show up. Hearing none. <laughs> Good call, bad call on Opera Box Score. Wow, the silence was deafening. It's like none of my colleagues were speaking. <laughs> it was I'm getting wonderful. angry, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Good call, bad call. We're going to wrap it up. Oliver, you get to go first. Well, um, we have a, a little audio for my good call, which comes to us from friends of the show Opera Philadelphia. Apparently, during a rehearsal of Carmina Burana, which is part of their upcoming uh, performances, the Opera Philadelphia Chorus broke into a rendition of Fly, Eagles, Fly. So what a perfect way to tie in sports and opera. Here is a little bit of Opera Philadelphia Chorus. super clear that if the Eagles win the Super Bowl Philadelphia fans will be more unbearable than they usually are (laughs) Frank you okay over there Frank y'all all all right (laughs) Matt Cummings Uh, my neutral call is more of a call back to our two minute drill which is that I am supposed to go to that Juan Diego Flores recital and by the time this comes out I either will or will not have Ooh, been there love based that on whether it happens. you know I'm giving the pre-concert lecture you should come attend that Aww, that's yeah. awesome oh my God, look at this synergy on live yeah. on, on live yeah. podcast Will you be doing uh, the pre-concert lecture if he doesn't show up? Will you just perform for us? If, uh... I have been in constant contact with the <laughs> events coordinator. Are for you this covering thing. the recital? Do you have <laughs> to sing all of that rap if he doesn't show one up? One way or the other. <laughs> Weston Williams. I have a, a good call that leads into a bad call. A good call. There's a fun little tiny article in the New York Times called An Opera House Inspired by More Than Music. I'm sure we'll put it in the uh, uh, in the show notes here. 
Um, this is a, a little story about the Paris Opera House and talks about the lake under underneath and the phantom. And if it's if that sounds familiar, it's because that's my bad call. I tricked you because <laughs> we totally did this in the Halloween episode like we a year ago. That was my segment. Sam Lubel, I, I see you. I see you listening to our podcast, but you're six months behind for some reason. I see you stealing my contacts, my, 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 my beautiful story. Thanks for nothing, Sam. That's my bad call. That's the most my, excited my I've ever seen Weston. Yeah. Ashley Hargrave. <laughs> so I have a I have a sad call into a, a, another call. Uh, we here in Chicago lost a legend today, Bobby Hull, who mm. is a Chicago Blackhawks legend, hockey oh. player extraordinaire. Uh, in his eighties, led uh, he was in his eighties when he passed, but he uh, he led Chicago to the nineteen sixty one Stanley Cup championship. The whole city of Chicago was a little bit darker tonight in the hockey world because Bobby Hull has left us. Rest well, sir. Uh, and my questionable call is that uh, I'm going to need I. No matter what your religious affiliation, I'm going to need y'all to start praying for me and my vocal cords um, because she is dusty and I got to break her back out to start singing again. <laughs> Tried to sing some Mozart arias and boy, howdy, uh, my brain and body don't remember how to do stuff. So opera fans, if you could uh, lay hands, pull some moon water, <laughs> move some crystals, something, just uh, think some positive thoughts and, and hopefully my Donanna comes back. Amen. Thank you. Praise him. Uh, I got to see my favorite opera in the repertoire over the weekend benjamin Britten's albert herring i adore this piece the music is fantastic the libretto is utterly hilarious this production at chicago opera theater it did make me think dame jane glover who was conducting it is a dead ringer for margaret thatcher how dare you mention those two women in the same sentence and and, and i've worked with jane glover and i'm not saying that's margaret thatcher I'm not saying as a compliment to compare her to Margaret Thatcher. I just, it just something. It was a lookalike. That's all it was. Huh. It was just all a lookalike. Right. That's all it right. for this. We're week's going to be canceled. Watch. <laughs> <laughs> just the, lost the all list, of our English audience. The so. listeners' mailbag will overflow once again with aerograms. That's it for this week's edition of America's Talk Radio Show about opera. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get those podcasts. Send us a voice memo. Email us your hot takes, operaboxscore at gmail.com. And you can find links to stuff we've talked about at our website, operaboxscore.com. That's also where you can put your money where our mouths are. Give back to the OBS on our donate page. Your announcer is Norm Waddell. Your creative consultant is Oliver Camacho. And your audio editor is Weston Williams. For co-hosts, Matt Cummings and Ashley Hardgrave, with guest, Carrie-Ann Otano, I'm George Cedarquist, asking you to continue the conversation about opera at a high-stakes game of poker. We're back with an all-new show next week when we get you ready for the Super Bowl. And no, we're not going to predict a winner. Plus, you get more opera headlines, more hot takes, and more let's create. Join us. <laughs>